Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It was the NHL All-Star Game in Las Vegas. They come out, they get beat the Wild, that is, in Winnipeg 2-0. Marcus Foligno suspended for a couple of games, and now they play Carolina tonight. So a couple of games this week. Well, get ready, because the games are going to come fast and furious for the Wild between now and the end of the regular season. Uh, they'll start going every other day or more between now and the end of the regular season. And joining us to talk about the Wild, the NHL, Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune. Sarah, good to visit with you. Hi, Steve. How are you? Yeah, good to chat with you. First of all, I want to talk about how the All-Star Game experience in Las Vegas, the Central Division with Cam Talbot and Kirill Kaprizov, uh, put on a pretty good show. It was their first appearance for both of them, even though, you know, obviously Kirill is still young in his NHL career and, and Talbot is a veteran. And, yeah, I think just kind of a cool experience. It's obviously broken down into this, a skills competition and then, you know, a three-on-three tournament that kind of pits the divisions against each other. So it's a chance to kind of show show the individual flair and skill, which we saw from Kaprizov. He was in the Breakaway Challenge and kind of had a tribute to Alex Ovechkin with his uh, with his breakaway uh, set up and sequence there with the goal that he went for. And then obviously in the game, you know, the Central Division advanced to the final but ultimately lost. So um, the Wild was well represented at the weekend, and, you know, I think it was obviously a memorable experience for both players. Yeah, and the, the goalies in a three-on-three situation get a lot of work, and, and Talbot did a terrific job uh, from afar, and – I would assume he had to be thrilled because he he made some big stops for the Central Division. Yeah, he had I think probably one of the best plays you know of that day. Um, a kind of couple quick saves in succession yeah. in the first game. So yeah, I think too for him, you know, he has two young kids, and so he got to kind of make it a family trip and a family experience, and they got to be down on the ice with him. So. I think from that point of view, too, it was probably really special to be able to share that with his family. So uh, the Wild get back at it on Tuesday in Winnipeg. They fall 2-0 to the Jets. And uh, the, the Wild have been able to put the puck in the net this year consistently, but not that night. And ultimately, they lose Marcus Foligno for a couple of games. And it could have been worse, but it, but it is nevertheless the, the kneeing situation, uh, a two-game suspension. Then they get a break, and they get Carolina tonight at home. But it really is the, the, the quiet before the storm, if you will, because by looking at the schedules, Sarah, it's just a ridiculous amount of games between now and the end of the regular season. It's busy, and, you know, I think it was always going to be busy, really, if you look at March and April, because those games haven't changed. You know, right now the Wild is in a stretch where it's making up the games that were postponed earlier this season. That's why, you know, there's no Olympic break and the NHL season is continuing. But March and April were always going to be busy. So it's, it's you know, nothing really new in that sense. But right now, February, 
they've had a few days off, some practice days since that Winnipeg game, but obviously, um, you know, these next few weeks are making up those games that were postponed earlier in the season due to COVID, and it does get busy, so it's going to be a test the rest of the way, but it always is. The second half always feels like a sprint. Teams are jostling for playoff positioning, and the Wild is very much in that race especially for near the top of the central division. So kind of, you know, obviously the same vibe, but um, maybe some more intrigue this second half, considering how well the teams performed. Yeah. One of the things wild have exhibited is, is great depth. They have a couple of goaltenders in cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen who have played very well this year. And, and they're going to need that because of the number of back to backs and the fact that they're going every other night, uh, the wilds depth, and the fact that they can roll two goaltenders could prove to be huge over this stretch between now and the end of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, they've been using both goalies for a little bit now, kind of rotating and making sure both are active. And you're right, with the schedule, I don't see that changing. You know, I know lately it's kind of been rotating, you know, every other game between these two goalies, and it's, you know, it's maybe unintentionally, you know, by the coaching staff. It's not by design to alternate, but it's it's them getting both goalies involved and sharing that workload, which, as we've seen so far this season, has suited the Wild and, you know, the way that the team has been able to have success, go on long win streaks. So I wouldn't expect that to continue with games coming, you know, regularly the rest of the season. So we, we talked about uh, a little bit the Marcus Foligno suspension coming out of that Winnipeg game. Uh, on the injury front, in and out of the lineup, where did things stand for the Wild leading up to the game with Carolina tonight? Uh, anybody expected to return to play tonight? We're, we're, how does that look at the moment right now for the Wild, Sarah? Yeah, the only player out injured is Nick Bugstad right now. He's been out with an upper body injury for a while now. He got hurt last month. So Matt Dumba's back in the lineup tonight. He's scheduled to return from an upper body injury that he suffered during that recent New York trip. So the Wild is getting healthier and obviously still not at full strength with Bugstad out and Polino serving this two-game suspension. But the team's getting there, obviously, and it's been a while since the team's been at full strength, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how this team performs once everybody is available. Do you get a sense on, on load management? I, I think with, with all of these games coming up, and, and we've talked about the wild depth and the confidence in all four lines and so on and so forth, has Dean Evison discussed at all with the media on, on how he plans to handle all of these games that are that are coming up. It's once again, I, I don't want to dwell on the schedule, but it's a lot. You know what? I think that's what's unique about the NHL is you know when we see other leagues, especially basketball, you know, talk about load management and sitting stars. The NHL just doesn't do that, and it's just because every game is so important. Um, it's a you know it's a it's a bigger lineup obviously than basketball too, and sure. it really for a team like the Wild, it relies on everybody. You know, like we just said, they use two goalies. They they've yep. used seven or eight defensemen this season regularly. Um, you know, or when there's been injuries or illness. And, you know, all obviously all four forward lines play a key role um, in this team's success. So I don't see them taking nights off. I don't see them being strategic. And I don't see them resting players, you know, these next few months because nothing's solidified. There's not an asterisk next to their name that they feel, the, you know, a playoff spot. Um, right. You know, I think this is very much just kind of that approach that game by game, one at a time, 
and kind of go from there and, you know, put your best foot forward each game. So it's busy. You know, I think players had a little bit of a break if they weren't at the All-Star game recently. And now it's kind of back into the swing of things. And I think that just every other night focused, every game by game, keeping, you know, the perspective very narrow on just the task at hand with the next game is, is probably what the Wild will continue to do. Yeah, and what, what about from a media perspective, Sarah? You've been on the beat, and uh, th- th- this is going to be quite a stretch as well. A lot, lot of lot of game stories coming up and a lot of travel. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think last season, though, that, that was maybe a good primer, you know, for <laughs> right. everyone because it was every other day, basically, last season, trying to get a 56-game shortened schedule in just a matter of months, obviously, with, you know, starting in January and, um, the effects of COVID. So, um, you know, if they have a day off or two days off, you know, it's not far off from what the pace was last season. That, that was probably, you know, the fastest sprint through a season many have maybe experienced. So yeah, this is, you know, this is kind of that stretch drive and, you know, 40 games to go in this second half of the season. Um, it's probably maybe one of the most fun, enjoyable parts just because fates are going to be decided and the Wilds is obviously one that's still, still to be determined. Yeah, and, and the Wild have a stat, in, in spite of the game in, in Winnipeg where they got beat 2-0, uh, I, I, I don't think Wild fans should jump off the bandwagon. They, they have proven uh, to this point that, that they are one of the top clubs in the NHL and, it, and have generally performed. There haven't been a lot of downturns. Sure, that were, there was that weird time leading up to the NHL's Winter Classic where they weren't playing particularly well, but they were able to right the ship. There's been a resiliency with this group that's been very encouraging, Sarah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is a team that doesn't you know lose many games in a row very often. Um, and that was the first time this season that the team's been shut out. So to go to the whole first half not getting shut out obviously speaks to how potent this offense has been this season. But you're right, this team is usually good at bouncing back, very resilient. And that's why I think this, this game tonight against Carolina will be very telling uh, to see if they're able to recalibrate after, like I said, getting shut out for the first time this season. Yeah, good club in Carolina coming into town. At the Exxon Energy Center. Well, Sarah, always good to visit with you. I certainly enjoy your work and coverage of the Wild. Thanks so much, Steve. Take care. All right. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild for the Star Tribune online at startribune.com. Once again, Carolina in town. Uh, top-notch defensive club. So uh, the Wild to get their scoring touch back, it will be a challenge on home ice. And then buckle up. Once again, the schedule. It is just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, we've heard over and over, and if you played sports anywhere along the way, what would you rather do, practice or be in a game? I know what my answer is. I'd always rather play in a game rather than go to practice. And here we go. Carolina tonight. They get Detroit on Monday at Winnipeg. They host Florida. Then Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary to close out the month, and then don't even look at March. Here in the first two weeks of March, on the first Tuesday, host Calgary. Then they go to Philly and Buffalo on Thursday and Friday. Host Dallas on Sunday the 6th. Host the Rangers on Tuesday the 8th. And then they're on the road at Detroit and Columbus on Thursday the 10th and Friday the 11th. That's just the first couple of weeks of March. 
So get ready. It's 518 here at News Talk, E3OWCCO. 521 here at News Talk, E3OWCCO. Thanks so much for joining us here at News Talk, E3OWCCO. We had some sun uh, for a little bit, and now uh, the clouds have thickened up again. And we'll, we'll have a complete rundown of the weather here in about 10 minutes on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Quick check of the golf, a jam-packed leaderboard. Sunday's final round at the WM Phoenix Open, WM Waste Management uh, Phoenix Open. Not a cloud in the sky in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, imagine that. Um, <laughs> it, the, the, the weather just teasing us. I've talked about this before on the West Coast Swing and the PGA Tour. They, they start in Hawaii, and it's like, oh, that's nice. And then uh, you, you get to places like Torrey Pines in San Diego or Pebble Beach or Scottsdale. It's like, yeah, uh, we, we are missing out a little bit in these parts. Uh, cloudy skies, 4 degrees here at News Talk, E3LWCCO. Uh, quick chance to check uh, the girls' hockey scoreboard right now. Uh, section quarterfinals and semifinals uh, today. And... Here's what we're looking at. Uh, once again, uh, courtesy of the Minnesota Girls Hockey uh, Hub, uh, service of the Star Tribune. Uh, Maple Grove beat Irondale St. Anthony 6-0 in a 5-double-A quarterfinal. And a 6-double-A, Blake shut out Armstrong Cooper 5-0. Uh, up in the 7-A semifinal, Proctor Hermantown nipped Hibbing Chisholm a 2-1. In uh, six double A quarterfinal, Benilde St. Margaret's beat Minnehaha United six to one. Eight double A quarterfinal, Brainerd Little Falls over Sartell Sock Rapids by a score of two to one. At the Litchfield Civic Arena in Section Two A, Litchfield Dazzle Cocado beat Minnesota River two to one. Three uh, A semifinal, Blue Mound Ice Arena, Laverne beat Marshall two to one. A four double A quarterfinal, Gentry Academy all over White Bear Lake, nine zero Gentry Academy, the number one seed in four double A. Champlin Park Coon Rapids beat Northright County one zero at Roseville. Uh, that that section five double A. So Champlin Park Coon Rapids that co-op's been around for a while now. Uh, Hill Murray walloped Woodbury seven to one at Aldrich, uh, section four double A. Uh, defending state runner-up, the Andover Huskies, they're ranked number one and unbeaten. Andover in Section 7, AA beat Blaine 6-1. to one. Two Rivers St. Paul topped Red Wings 7-1. to one. That's how to Section 4A quarterfinal action. Section 7A semis, Duluth Marshall beat Cloquet-Azco Carlton 3-1. to one. So you're up to date on some of the scores uh, and, and a ton more games tonight around the state as the girls' section playoffs continue. And we we should mention that uh, the state tournaments start a week from Wednesday in Class A at the Axel Energy Center, and then the girls' uh, 2A state tournament starts a week from Thursday in St. Paul. And remember, for all the state tournaments, whatever you're attending, uh, get your tickets online. They won't be selling tickets at the gate. I think people are becoming a little bit more 
familiar with that. All right, let's go back to Scottsdale. Check that leaderboard right now. Patrick Cantlay, Sahith Thigala at 13 under par. Scotty E. Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Xander Shoffley at 12 under par. Hideki Matsuyama right there, he's at minus 11. Tom Hoagie, he's done for the day. He finished at 11 under par. Uh, let, let's see some other big names. Louis Oosthuizen at 9 under par. Bubba Watson at minus 9. At minus 8, Justin Thomas, John Rahm. Uh, look at the names. Adam Scott at minus 6. Troy Merritt uh, playing at Spring Lake Park at, at minus 6. So a great leaderboard heading into the final round of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It is 526, and we, we apologize. We weren't able to get there in Johnson from number 10, 4A Farmington. I talked to him earlier in the day via email, but uh, not available. So for whatever reason, batting average today, uh, not not all the greatest. One thing I, I should point out, uh, I was in for Henry Lake on, on Friday night. This was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the producers at WCCO Radio, Craig Sharp for uh, he was on the morning news with Dave Lee for a long time and is now Henry Lake's producer on Lake Night. Uh, he is in L.A. for the Super Bowl, and we caught up with him. He was at the media party at Universal Studios, and he started attending Super Bowls. But the Hammer has a unique approach. He goes to the Super Bowl city and hangs around and watches the ticket market and if he feels like he can afford it, he buys a ticket. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. So he's just down there for kind of the fun. He's going to uh, Taste of the NFL tonight, hosted by Wayne Kostrowski. Of course, Taste of the NFL started all those years ago in that first Super Bowl at the Metrodome uh, when Washington and Buffalo played. And it's becoming an annual event, one of the great events Super Bowl weekend, and that party is tonight, and he's going to attend. So really kind of cool to catch up with him. And he he said that right now, and he said this last night, and I don't know if it's changed today, I haven't, I haven't bothered him today, but uh, Craig was saying that right now it's about two grand is the most affordable ticket to get into SoFi Stadium. There is no way. And, Kerry, I don't know about you, uh, what you'd be willing to pay to get into a Super Bowl game. I, I'd probably limit out at about 200 bucks. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mean, pay 2000 No. No. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and he told me, and he, and he saves for this trip every year. It's yeah. kind of his his big trip every year to go to the Super Bowl, and I get it. But two grand? <laughs> there is no way I would pay $2,000. I take that back. I would pay two grand if I was guaranteed a badge to get into a Sunday round at the Masters. Yeah, I might do I'd, that. I might do and that. I, <laughs> and I know you're a big golf I am. fan. I would love that. I know. I, I've got to get to the Masters. Now, I know people that have been down there, mm-hmm. and it's relatively easy to get into a practice round. Mm-hmm. I want to go. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and and I've been on the waiting list yep. for badges for years, and it's kind of an annual tradition when I get my reject email. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're not going to sell you any 
any badges to get into the Masters. But that that's one of the few sporting events where I'd really dig deep and maybe even go into my savings account. Oh, yeah. To, For the Masters, you'd have to. Yeah. Not, would, what about if the Vikings were in the Super Bowl? Still no. Not, no. Yeah, me neither. No, probably. No, no. No. no, because pro football is better on TV. We we touched on this when when Charlie was in last night that I when I went to the Super Bowl at U.S. Bank Stadium, Philly and New England, the the game is far better on television. Yeah, um, it w- it was cool to be there. Don't get me wrong, and the setup for the halftime show and all of that sort of stuff. But during the game itself, in person, there's way too much standing around at a pro football game for me. And that's why it's better on TV. So if the Vikings made it to a Super Bowl, no, I would not pay that kind of money to get in. I know a lot of people that would, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you would agree. The Masters might yes. be the only sporting event where we'd really dig deep to get in. All right. We've got to run. Uh, quick break. Uh, Representative Frank Hornstein, a DF fellow from Minneapolis, is going to join us. And Representative Hornstein is the chairman of the Transportation Committee because one of the big controversies right now here in the Twin Cities metro area and one of the big controversies facing the legislature is what to do about the construction delays and the huge cost overruns on the Southwest Light Rail Transit Line. And we will get Representative Hornstein's thoughts on that coming up following the weather. Here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. The news about Southwest light rail has not been good as of late. We've learned of some expensive cost overruns and some major construction delays. And now, potentially related to construction, some cracks in a condo near the light rail construction. And joining us to visit about it, Representative Frank Hornstein from Minneapolis, D.O. Feller, represents District 61A. Uh, covers uh, the area around Lake of the Isles and Bidet Makaska. Uh, Representative Hornstein, good to visit with you today. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks so much for the time today. And there have been a lot of headlines, radio, television, newspaper, whatever, about uh, w- what's going on with Southwest Light Rail Transit. It's going to need uh, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in in funding, and the line won't be finished uh, until later this decade, uh, and there, there's a lot of talk about digging into what's gone wrong and, and what can be done to ultimately complete this line. Yeah, you described that very perfectly. Um, myself and Senator Dibble, who also represents this area, along with our Republican colleagues on the Transportation Committees in the House and Senate, do want to dig into this issue, and so we have legislation that will require an audit of the project, uh, an audit uh, sponsored by the legislative auditor, someone that works for the legislature, works for the people on a nonpartisan basis to really uh, dig into this. So it's an independent uh, assessment. Uh, you are chair of the House uh, Transportation Committee, and there, there seems to be a bipartisan uh, agreement. There, There isn't a lot of bipartisan agreement, but on this particular issue there is about trying to find out what went wrong and uh, pardon the pun how this thing got so far off the rails yes um, i'm very pleased that the transportation leadership in both the house and the senate in both parties uh, shares a real concern for uh, what's gone wrong and how we can correct it and so 
the bill that uh, I described was already passed unanimously in the Senate Transportation Committee and will be heard in the House Transportation Committee this coming Thursday. So what what ultimately is going to happen out of all of this? How long do you expect uh, the, the study, if you will, to and maybe kind of dismantling the, the entire process and what went wrong? Well, uh, it, it will be a very thorough study, and we are going to have to get some uh, other uh, staff support for the legislative auditor because we really want to dig deep into the issues, the history of this project, what's going on with the contractors, uh, how it can be remedied. So um, it could take up to a year. I think that there will be some pieces of the study that could be done uh, really in, in a matter of months. So um, we'll be monitoring this very closely and really digging deep and looking for answers. Um, one one thing we do know is that a lot of money has been spent already. There's been a lot of construction done. There are some people say, well, we should just pull a pin on this thing and, and forget about it. That isn't feasible, is it? Well, that would be very difficult at this point. It's 60% uh, completed. There's a lot of contracts, a lot of money that uh, uh, would need to be owed back to the federal government and, and other contractors. So, um, you know, that would be a, a, a challenge. But I hope that there are some uh, things that can be done in the immediate term that can really get this project uh, back within some sort of reasonable uh, financial condition and uh, hopefully – you know, right now we're looking at uh, 2027. Uh, maybe we could, uh, with some changes, move that forward. But uh, at this point, we just need to get the study done and um, authorized by the legislature. Do you expect the construction to resume when weather allows, that there, there won't be construction delays, that work will continue here in 2022? Well, there's construction going on, and sure. actually one of our concerns uh, – you had mentioned earlier this uh, very large uh, building where people are living, a condominium uh, complex called the uh, Calhoun Isles uh, Condominiums, and uh, they are uh, experiencing some damage to the building now as a result of the construction, some cracks that have appeared. And I, uh, we're very, very concerned about that. It was something that w- we really warned that the, both the residents and some of the um, Elected officials in the neighborhood warned that this kind of thing could happen, and in fact, it did. So, you know, I would be very careful and cautious about uh, construction around those condos until we get more answers about what's causing those cracks and how that can be alleviated. Well, one of the concerns also about the project, and I noticed this, I, I, I live in northern Hennepin County and used to work and, and would commute all the way down to Eden Prairie in the area of where the line terminates near that Eden Prairie Transit Center west to the mall. And in all those years driving down there and construction of some of the bridges and the viaducts, I thought, boy, this is really a complicated route to get to this transit center. Was this the most cost-effective way? And I think now as people take a look at the project and say, you know, was this the most cost-effective? And I would assume what what the legislature and and the audit is going to look at is that design process and and was the most efficient way to build this line considered? 
Yes, exactly. That is one of the questions that's on a lot of people's minds. And we are going to have a cost-benefit analysis done uh, within this audit. And you are absolutely right. Um, there are many expensive features of this. Uh, one that you mentioned, uh, the, the terminus in, in Eden Prairie. There's this tunnel uh, in, near those condos, that what we call the Kenilworth Corridor. And then there's a big crash wall that the railroads had required that closer to the terminus of the line, or not the terminus, but the uh, the line in downtown um, near the Target Center in the Bryn Mawr neighborhood. Uh, that's become a bloated, expensive problem. So, you know, those are just three examples of uh, areas where this route has run into problems. And again, many people warned about this, and uh, and that's what's so frustrating. And uh, the, the the dollar amount is staggering. There is good news that uh, there is a budget surplus right now. Tax collections are above projections. But I doubt there's a, a great deal of appetite to to pour hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in, into this project when, when there was so much opposition from the get-go. So th- there is a, a balancing act, if you will, of, of finding a way to finish this thing, uh, but without breaking the bank to finish it. And ultimately, we'll, we'll learn what those numbers are coming out of the audit, I would assume. Yeah, well, exactly. And there's no appetite uh, at the legislature for using the surplus. Uh, to address these cost overruns. Um, that will have to be done, um, you know, with the existing funding sources and, and ways in which perhaps uh, some costs can be cut uh, uh, in terms of the existing plan. Um, so uh, I just, that is just not in the cards in terms of using any of the budget surplus to, um, you know, address the uh, overruns here. Representative Frank Hornstein, DFL Minneapolis, uh, represents District 61A, and he is the chair of the House Transportation Committee. Is there a concern on your part that what's going on here and, and all the negative publicity around Southwest Light Trail uh, has an impact on, on public transit overall and the, the perception of public transit overall? Well, we have strong bipartisan agreement on other forms of transit that um, are really coming into the fore now. Uh, Rapid buses, for example, both on city streets and, uh, you know, freeway, what we call bus rapid transit. Uh, That has uh, become more popular, and uh, there's decent ridership even in the pandemic uh, on these rapid buses and and some of the local bus service. And so we had... um, bipartisan agreement uh, over the last few years to build four more of these rapid bus lines, uh, again, that run on city streets, run on highways. So uh, that uh, that's important, and that is a, a very, very uh, good use of money for transit. We get a lot of good bang for our buck on that. And again, I think members of both parties can agree on that uh, particular transit strategy. And then beyond that, I, I'm sure when you're addressing something that's clearly uh, impacting the metro area, Southwest light rail transit or the rapid bus lines, also finding balance with the transportation needs uh, around the state of Minnesota. As someone who represents Minneapolis, I'm sure being a chair of the transportation committee is also understanding that the transit needs on the Iron Range or uh, in the Rochester area or in rural communities all over the state. 
I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, there are important transit needs all over the state. You know, cities like Rochester, Duluth, St. Cloud, Moorhead all have their own bus systems. And in greater Minnesota, we are finding that uh, this is really critical, uh, even in some of the uh, rural, very rural areas and small towns. So um, as our population ages, as people need more uh, options to get to work, uh, transit is really going to be very critical uh, now and into the future. Yeah, and supporting transit, I know there there's services like Metro uh, Mobility. I, I happen to have a, a disabled daughter, and uh, we, we know a lot of people that take advantage of that. But, but making sure uh, mobility for, for the elderly or the disabled are, are available to citizens all over the state, I'm, I'm sure is a great priority and a tremendous challenge considering uh, the, the, the shortage we're seeing labor, uh, school bus drivers, uh, metro transit drivers, etc. There, there, there's a lot on the plate for your committee. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we were able last session to uh, really uh, make some important changes in terms of how the Metro Mobility Service is funded. And uh, we're confident that, that that service can be improved and, and enhanced over the coming years. Because as, as you point out, many, many people use it, but it needs to be more reliable and safe. And uh, I think we're on a good path when it comes to Metro Mobility in the region. Yeah, well, Representative Hornstein, good to visit with you, and we appreciate the update, and it sounds like there's a great deal of cooperation on on getting to the bottom of of what happened and and how Southwest Light Rail Transit uh, can be completed in the most cost-effective way. That's really the goal at this point, and uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but as you pointed out, uh, there's a a great deal of consensus uh, in the legislature on this, and Again, we want to get this bill through and, and signed quickly so that the legislative auditor can get to work and get us the answers that we need. Outstanding. Thanks for the update, and enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, your interest in this, and uh, uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, good Good to visit with you, Representative Frank Hornstein, uh, DFL Minneapolis, representing District 61A, and uh, the chair of the House Transportation Committee, and it is a big deal. And, and I brought this up on the program before, when when this came out, and if you, if you don't spend a lot of time in Eden Prairie, just go out, take a look at some of the bridges and the viaducts, and and tell me if this was the most cost-effective way to get to the Eden Prairie Transit. I, I just find that hard to believe. I, it, it, it just seems excessive to me. And once again, I, I'm a fan of transit. We, we, we need public transit. There is no question. But was this the most cost-effective option? I, I, I don't think it's even close. And we'll, we'll see what the audit says. But I, I'm glad uh, the EFL and the GOP are working together uh, to get answers on this one. Quick break. We'll come back here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. High school sports in the spotlight at the moment here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Farmington on a roll. They've jumped into the top ten in the latest uh, boys 4A basketball poll. And uh, talk about a roll Darren Johnson, the head coach of number 10, 4A Farmington, joining us on the line. And uh, 
boy, your team's playing great as of late. What a run. Yeah, uh, just a, a tribute to the guys we got. They they, um, they work hard, and, and we've really got it going right now. Yeah, and some some good teams, Eden Prairie, Egan, Burnsville, Lakeville, North, Apple Valley, Prior Lake, just dominant victories in this stretch. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. We've, we've won our last six in, in running time, and like you said, a couple top teams in there like Eden Prairie, Lakeville North, uh, Prior Lake last night. Um, our guys are just clicking right now. Yeah, and it, it, some ups and downs to start the season. Did, did you see this coming for your team that they, they would be able to get on a roll like this? Yeah, I think uh, maybe not outside our community, but definitely uh, with the top 10 team. Um, we, our group, our senior group as eighth graders and the youth, uh, like traveling league, was the the champs of the top bracket. And so we know we had a good group. Um, we kind of had some, uh, our football team made a run to the state playoffs and we kind of had some guys bumping bridges early on and we played a tough schedule playing like Hopkins, Minnetonka and left a couple close games. But, um, pretty much since the holidays, we've, we've kind of figured it out now and we're healthy and we're, we're on a roll. Yeah, and a big week coming up. Rosemont at home on Tuesday, and then on the road at Shock P and the Sabres are the real deal. Yeah, we we played them earlier um, at our place and was fortunate enough to come away with a one-point win. Uh, one of our seniors, Zach Coconaut, hit some big free throws right at the end to give us the win. But, uh, yeah, they're a very talented group, and that game uh, probably will on Friday be uh, uh, winner, winners will sit at the top of the conference. So, big one coming up. Yeah, in the South Suburban, I, I've I've talked to other coaches from your league this year and in past years, night in and night out. Wow, what, what a conference! Yeah, you said it. I, I mean, it's a conference that's turned out three, four NBA guys in the last few years. Guys who uh, guys who have been playing top top Division One college teams. It's it's a heck of a conference. Uh, our conference. And the late conference, I mean, they're just two, two, two outstanding conferences that you got to come ready to play every night. Yeah, and it is amazing. You, you look around the state, just around the metro area, you brought up your league, the lake, the northwest suburban. Just the, the quality of players in this state is it's just incredible. Yeah, I think bo- both on the boys' and girls' side, you see, yep. you see top Minnesota um, players doing well at the college ranks and, and starting to trickle into the NBA. Uh, I know Minnesota kind of gets the rep as a hockey state, but um, in the last 10 years, you'd, you'd be tough to find another state producing quality talent like Minnesota has. Um, we've, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Or we're, we're up against the end of the hour. I gave Carrie, our producer, a bad number earlier in the hour, and I apologize for that. But uh, a minute or two on, on some of your top players and what, what they mean to this group. Yeah, uh, probably start with Kyle Hernser, a senior, um, heck of a player. Last night he went for 40 points and our went over prior Lake. Uh, Mr. Basketball candidate, um, just had a heck of a season, 1,000-point score. Um, a kid who's going to go to Upper Iowa and play both baseball and basketball. Um, last spring he was the starting pitcher in the state championship game when Farmington won the baseball title, so just heck of a kid. Um, we got We got a lot of... Outstanding athletes on our team. Uh, Zach Kokenauer Center is going to be going to play D1 football. We got uh, state track champ and Ben Bisgins, uh, nice junior player, and uh, Baden Bean is an up and coming player. Sam Hoffman, uh, one of our shooting guards, uh, great shooters, just said he's heading to Hamlin. 
Um, Brendan Ebel, another nice player for us. Uh, and the list just keeps going of uh, guys we got that contribute to our team. Well, uh, a lot of fun. And once again, a huge week. Rosemount on Tuesday. And then uh, another big showdown with Shakopee, and that'll be the marquee game of the night uh, for sure here in the state of Minnesota. And once again, uh, sorry we didn't connect earlier, but I'm glad we were able to get you on and talk about your team. And congrats on a great run and now in the top ten. Thanks, Steve. All right, there he is, Darren Johnson, head coach, number 10, 4A Farmington. But they are rapidly moving up. And as I mentioned, on the schedule, uh, if if you're going to be in the neighborhood, uh, get there early. Farmington at Shakopee on Friday night. That's going to be a dynamite game. Friday night, 7 o'clock in Shakopee. Those two teams met earlier in the year. And uh, once again, uh, Farmington was able to prevail 74-73 at home. Wow. All right, we got to run big thanks to all our guests on the program today. Doug Swinhart, Tech Talk Early, Mike Walls, Bayes.com, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, uh, Steve Carney took us outdoors, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, and Odyssey Sports Insider, Sarah McClellan covering the wild, Representative Frank Hornstein from Minneapolis, Theron Johnson, Farmington Boys basketball coach. Big thanks to Carrie Clatt, our producer, uh, keeping it out of the ditch. I'm giving her bad numbers, and she's able to to get through it anyway. Uh, We've got all the news coming up at 6. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I think the Rams win. I think the Rams cover. Take care. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.